With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. We have reports for you from week eight and previewing week nine. I am Steve Braun, aka Thumposaurus. I am Andrew Krzyzewski, and hey, it's that time of season once again. We had the first snowfall during a Big Ten game, and you know, when the snow flies, uh, it's very you see a lot of flights canceled a lot of time, and the Big Ten teams on the field were no exception, as five teams failed to pass for 100 yards this week, including one that won its game. Goodness gracious, we also had a team commit five first-half turnovers, um, not all of which were in the snow. Um, but we did, however, have one thing that can only be described as the name of this week's Winflight Triburster of the Week, which is Righteous. Coming to us from Rochester Mills Brewery, this Righteous is a Righteous Irish style red ale aged in bourbon barrels, aged just, aged just so, so that once it reaches maturity, it will just explode with flavor, with 49 points of flavor all over your unsuspecting nuts. Yeah, and so we crack this drink, obviously, in honor of what really is Jeff Brom's proof of concept game at this point in his tenure. I mean, it, it, there's been plenty of signs of, for optimism from Purdue fans to this point, but this gives you an idea of exactly what this program could be capable of in Brom's hands. And of course, what we've seen in successive weeks now is sort of a growing drumbeat of, okay, well, how much longer does he stay there? Why hasn't Louisville hired him yet? If they don't hire him, somebody else certainly will. So, Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, Purdue fans barely got to enjoy this before everybody that wanted to talk about college football with him was talking about, oh, man, well, it's going to suck for you guys when you have to replace him because Louisville is just going to hire him away and he's just going to, you know. Man. What does Louisville have right now that Purdue doesn't? I mean, they've... Sentimental connection for Jeff Brom and that's it. Yeah, it's not like Purdue is half a world away, though. He's like three hours away from his home area. He already dominates the recruiting in that town. Well, not to mention this, okay? Uh, and this is one thing I'm sure I've said before. If Purdue finds itself being a stepping stone, that is not a bad thing because that means you've got a program built for somebody else to be able to come in and take over. Uh, in fact, there even is another Brom in coaching if you really want to go that route. Well, sure, but if you're a Big Ten program, I, I don't think you ever want to view yourself as a stepping stone program. I mean, if, just, just because you're able to get more attractive candidates doesn't mean that you necessarily want to go the route of a Bowling Green, because look where that's gotten them, being this cradle of coaches the last few years. that They fired their coach, right? The first <laughs> coach. Miami of Ohio, cradle yeah. of coaches. Yeah, Bowling Green was the first program to fire their head coach in Division One this year, and he made it, what, six weeks, seven weeks? So... Jinx! Yeah. Jinx! Jinx! jinx. Jinxies. Uh, not necessarily a well you want to go back to too many times 
you hope, if you're Purdue fans, obviously, that Brom is the guy who wants to stay there and make a career. But if he's not, you don't want to spin that wheel too many times. Yeah, unfortunately, that, that's the unfortunate implications of what we all knew, which was that by scheduling Bama, uh, Louisville had doomed Bobby Petrino to be done this year. So, I don't know, maybe he can tread water and Jeff Brom has some unfinished business left in the Big Ten West when they don't win it this year and wants to come back one more year here. Feels like he was the bunch. I don't know. But, you know what? Uh, I'm sure Purdue fans are sick and goddamn tired of hearing about all of this. Hmm. Let's talk about them as though they're actually a team this year that won a huge game, which they are. Yeah, and I just noticed something, actually. Purdue beat Ohio State by the same margin that Wisconsin beat Illinois by. The exact same score in both games. How about that? No, so yeah, guess, and, it was a, and it was surely a statement win for Wisconsin on the level of that one for, you know, because uh, mighty Illinois comes in here at 3-3, three and three, you know, <clears throat> nobody giving Wisconsin a chance. Uh, no, I, I mean, what happened was that Illinois allowed 545 yards of offense, and it was not even in the top half of the worst performances they've had in defense. No, well, you turn the ball over five times in the first half, too. I mean, that's well, that was always, suboptimal. You know, that was always coming because, like I said before, the turnover luck for this team has been ridiculous. But we didn't do ourselves any favors by, um, I mean, first off, having A.J. Bush throw the ball at all, having A.J. Bush uh, playing the game at all was certainly a bad thing. Um Rivers had a decent passing lane, but unfortunately there was a gigantic unblocked defensive tackle in it, so that contributed to the other interception. And then the other two were Reggie Corbin uh, in the snow uh, running counter, and then, hey, look, here's four completely unblocked guys from Wisconsin's front seven coming at him, and he dropped the ball. Um, Well, look, if you're an Illinois fan, you could at least take solace in that scoreline, which is that you are as inferior to Wisconsin as Ohio State is to Purdue. So now, you know what? If you're, you're, looking, fan, you're looking at Ohio State right in the eyes this week, and that's got to be a good feeling for an Ohio State fan in particular. You know what? Somebody else is feeling exactly what you are right now. If you're an Illinois fan, first off, come get a drink with me. And second, the only two things that give you any solace right now um, are the fact that there's, um, there's a team actually worse than you. Uh, in Rutgers, like substantially worse, actually, and, and this is this is the debate here, right? What does that Rutgers win even mean? Because it means you got S and P wise win column. Who because cares? what does it mean? Well, because what we need what we needed to see was that there was some form of improvement. But so far, Illinois has yet to beat a team that's actually better than 2017 Illinois, um, statistically speaking. Because Rutgers is actually. Sagarin has our best win as a Western Illinois, which, to be fair, is the only two-win team that we've beaten. And the their FCS the mighty win is better than, uh, Okay. So. Their FCS win is better than Kent State's. I'm looking for something. Damn it. I had something for this. No, the thing is, you go ahead and finish whatever thought you were going to come up with for Illinois. I'm sure it will be just very enlightening and uplifting, but... Well, the deal is, I mean, we're at a crossroads right now because... We haven't, we haven't beaten anybody that's demonstrated that we're better than last year. But at the same time, all the teams that have beaten us are top 40 S&P and have top 20, like top 30 offenses. So here's a stretch of five games. Iowa we're not going to win against. Their defense is too good and their offense exists, which means that our defense is giving up 49 points. But the other four teams left in our schedule, Maryland, Minnesota, um, Northwestern, and uh, Nebraska... 
those are teams right around the middle of FBS as far as how, how good they are statistically. So, here's a chance for us to get a win over a team that is better than we were last year. So, hey, I, I kind of doubt that we're going to do it, but, you know, this is, this is that stretch. Four of these last five games are games that you could have a chance to win if you're Illinois, and you can shut up people like me. Hey, man, uh, reach for the stars, you know, and... And you will most likely suffocate in the vacuum of outer space. Our defense in S&P rankings is worse than every team in the Big 12. Uh, and, I mean, Rutgers is substantially better on defense than us. Well, that's we expected that coming into the season, didn't we? I mean, we thought Rutgers' defense would be pretty good. And just because they've gotten their doors blown off a few times. But their defense is not pretty good. Our defense is just horrifyingly bad. Enlightening discussion of the... You know, Illinois fighting Illini as ever. I'm, a, I'm certainly in a much better Illinois than fighting I was dumpster fire. So if you're Wisconsin, you at least you get this win, and regardless of the fact that you got run off the field against Michigan, had that disappointing home loss to BYU. You beat Iowa. You're in the driver's seat for the Big still Ten. In the driver's seat. Yeah, you got. If you beat Northwestern, I mean, you you can't drop another game before Iowa does because then you'd be two games down. I mean, they seem pretty intense on. Based on the fact that they had him throw several times when the snow was coming down, they seem pretty intent on proving that Alex Hornibrook can throw the ball if he needs to. And, I mean, what an Alex Hornibrook line. Three touchdowns to two picks. Um, and the touchdowns were just because we audibled to that leave-everybody-open zone. Um, <laughs> Controversial move there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Hornibrook made some really stupid throws. And I, I just, like, they just need to limit the amount that he needs to do. Um, meanwhile, like, on the ground, we, we, we had no way you to stop them. You were fine offensively, though, and if you're Wisconsin, that's a discouraging yeah. fact, which is that knowing well, how no, bad... Illinois, Illinois was fine offensively when they took A.J. Bush the hell out of the game, uh, hopefully for the... And hopefully he's seen the field for the last time uh, as a fighting Illini, because he is absolute trash as far as making the decisions in the offense go... He's a much better runner than MJ Rivers, but they put MJ Rivers in, and guess what he did? He handed the goddamn ball off. He uh, he he made the easy throws. He threw to the open man. I mean, he did the easy things. He made the decisions that mattered. Now he's played in four games, so for some reason his redshirt is still very important to this staff. Why? I have no idea. But I guess we'll see what they want to do. Still, though, <clears throat> yeah, the Wisconsin run defense is really a cause for concern because it's it's you used to just not be able to ever run against them no matter who you were and now they're just average well they've had they've had losses on the defensive front they still have Sagapoli with the nose but at the end positions in particular in this 3-4-ish type of scheme they run they've really taken a step back from the production they've had in the past they don't have three run stuffers up front anymore they have one and that's not enough to block an entire offensive line as we know um well, and again, this is not an Illinois offensive line that, you know, ever has all five of the guys hit the assignment at once. So, like, you're going to go up against way more complete units than this. Yeah, dude, <clears throat> it, having watched my own team play all these games in a row now, if you're complaining because there are plays where one or two of you offensive linemen don't execute their run block successfully, boy, have I got some film for you to watch that'll make you gouge your fucking eyes out with oh i can't spoon. no i'm not i'm absolutely not complaining about the run blocking because at least it's not the pass blocking um anyway speaking of wisconsin's next opponent northwestern what the shit that was 
That was one of the worst games of football I think that's been played recently. Uh, they managed to overcome but 18 to 15. Um, roughly 450 total yards of offense happened in this game. Yeah. So uh, Sitkowski, uh, Butkowski managed to go 15 for 31 on 31 passing attempts. He racked up 80 yards. Like that's not even a very good day running the ball. It's phenomenally ineffective. Actually, that's and very. That, actually, that's pretty bad running the ball. Between this game and the one we just finished talking about, I would have thought because really due to my physical circumstances where I was this last weekend, the MSU Michigan game was really the only one that I saw large portions of during the weather delay. I saw some of this game and some of the Illinois Wisconsin game, <clears throat> but just based on what I saw, I never would have guessed it would even be arguable that Lewerke wasn't the worst quarterback in the conference this weekend. He might only get the bronze medal in that competition. Well, I mean, Thorson was hardly any better than Butkowski, going 17 for 34, 150 yards. Yeah, at least he hit 50% um, of his passes, though. Not lost a- 27 yards on the ground, got sacked in the end zone, holding on to the ball forever. Yeah, man. It- and here comes the pass rush, and... <laughs> And sack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this game was an absolute abomination, and Northwestern came into this game. They managed to find. They managed to find an ad hidden on ESPN's page again. But no, Northwestern managed to identify the one strength of this Rutgers team and decide that. Oh my God, R2 was inspecting the floor. You check the floor. You check from contraband. Hidden, hidden compartment. <laughs> Anyway, Northwestern managed to find the one strength of this Rutgers team, and that is their passing defense. And they came out just bound and determined to pass it against them. They didn't figure out that they could run the ball on them until the second half when they uh, when they got Bowser involved. Isaiah Bowser, which uh, one I mean, for a team with some very very good names on it, Bowser still is up there. Still one of the better ones, yeah. And. Interestingly enough, in this game, the only two players who would give either fan base any hope at all about the direction of their team, both named Isaiah, both spelled differently. Rutgers has gotten Isaiah Pacheco in there the last few games. He looked pretty good in this one. I don't know how you only find 11 carries for him when you're letting Sikowski throw the ball 31 times. Well, I mean, and really, when you look at the throws Sikowski makes, and this is kind of like this, I, I've watched more Rutgers than I'm really proud to admit this year, but basically Sitkowski can absolutely hit a wide open back across the middle or in the flat. And that's kind of it. Really, it's kind of a miracle he didn't manage to throw any picks. Um, well, yeah, I mean, looking at his passing line here today, you've got three receptions for Sneed, one for Blackshear, one for Pacheco. Those are all running backs. So of his 15 completions, uh, five of them are to running backs, and then a couple more are tight ends. Yeah, I mean, he's still no completions to Bo Melton. Eddie Lewis had four, but somehow only for 18 yards. You have to assume that's mostly routes in the flat. Yeah, if you want the simplest explanation for why this Rutgers passing attack doesn't work, it's because it doesn't go downfield, like, at all. Like they don't... I mean, it's not that they don't go downfield. It's just that when they do, they might as well punt. Uh, that's true. S- yeah. Sikowski so... has no pocket awareness, and as a result... You know, any play that takes any time to develop, he, you know, just gives him the chance to either run it, either, you know, waddle into a sack or just, you know, chuck it right into a defensive back. I just can't say enough about how poorly he's played. Um, I mean, the, the, the only 
The only solace that he really has is that thanks to Northwestern just dropping picks against him, he's now it, it now seems pretty difficult to believe that he'll manage to eclipse that single season interceptions thrown record of 34. So he'd been on pace for 30, so but I don't think he'll get there now. The the silver lining you're saying is that he's not even going to be famous because of this year. <laughs> no, he's going to be famous, just not no, one of the all-time greats. No, he's not going to be famous cuz you know a year from now is anyone really going to be saying the name Art Sikowski outside of this podcast? No, because they're going to be saying Budkowski. Yeah, so... <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, I don't know what to say about this game. Uh, this is just peak Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern. Uh, it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. Let's find some really, really stupid way to be trailing in the fourth quarter. Speaking of really stupid ways to end up losing the game, um, Penn State 33... Fighting Sisyphians of Bloomington 28. Oh man, it is Groundhog Day for the Hoosiers as they nearly do enough to get a really huge win, but not quite winning the yardage battle by 100, but losing the turnover battle by one. Should we just record a separate clip for recapping Indiana's game and for any big game they have that that week, we just play it over again and like we dub in the name of the opponent like... Well, this week, Indiana sure had a big opportunity against Penn State, but just they couldn't get together in the end, and so because of that, they dropped yet another disappointing loss, a game they should have had, a game that they had until player name here was unable to come up with a crucial play for Indiana at the crucial I mean, the Indiana defense actually did a job. Uh, They held Penn State's rushing game relatively in check. I kind of, you know, I I know I'm going to get shit for the Penn State fans for this, but like... I see McSorley 170 yards on 19 carries, and just based on when I watched him, I don't believe those are design runs. I believe that's just him taking seven yards at a time because because he's afraid to make the throws. Uh, 19 for 36 passing. I mean, they, yeah, Penn State put up over 400 yards, but all things considered, when you consider the, the talent they have there, could have been a lot worse, especially on the ground, and Indiana managed to put up over 300 passing, over 200 rushing, but uh, ultimately... Just, you know, they had a lead in the third quarter, but it got away from them. They uh, kicked an onside kick after James Franklin gave them a second chance to do so with a timeout. Yeah, you know, the only thing I wonder about Penn State at this point is whether Justin Shorter must be hurt or not. That, you know, he's this five-star top 20 overall prospect they have who hasn't played yet this year. I guess at this point, you're you're basically out of the conference race. There's no sense in burning his red shirt now. But on the other hand, a guy like that, you don't necessarily expect to get four years out of anyway. So given the struggles they've had in that downfield passing game, I've been a little surprised that we haven't seen him just to see what the guy's capable of. It's not, I mean, they do have other options, but man, Tompkins, I, I thought Jawan Johnson was going to have a big year this year. And he had a couple grabs for a decent amount of yards in this game, but... Given the impact that I thought, I mean, I thought basically he would be, he would have that Gesicki impact of being the downfield target, but that his volume of targets would be more like Deshaun Hamilton. I thought they were going to use him big time. I'll tell you who I thought was going to be an impact player was DeAndre Tompkins, and I think I thought that just because of his name. And that just like sound like a guy that's an impact receiver. Yeah, he's like a blend of Hopkins and Watkins. Like if, <laughs> De- if your last Hopkins, name ends in hyphen Kins, oh, and, and you got some DeAndre going on. Yeah. Because it also has the same type of rhythm as Devante or Devante or like whichever. Anyway, um, <clears throat> to add injury to insult here, uh, Indiana broke their penix. 
Michael Penix Jr., uh, hot freshman prospect, tore his ACL, is going to be out for the year, so it's all on Peyton Ramsey. They hurt their Penix and fucked up their ligament. Uh, how, I mean, you, you, you get something like this, you know, you, you hurt your Penix ligament, how are you going to get back up for the next game at this point? I mean, it's just, it's just got to hurt have all this stuff happen, just you get so close, and it just, man. It just bends the wrong way at the wrong time. Meanwhile, Penn State might just not be as good as advertised at the beginning of the season. No, it doesn't look like it. I mean, at this point... Not to give too much away, but I kind of think they're going to lose this weekend. Who even plays this weekend? Iowa. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, Well, anyway, we mentioned, I don't know if we should go into much more detail with Purdue-Ohio State game. I mean... It's it's mystifying how a team with the talent that Ohio State has going up against a defensively shorthanded, although better recently, group like Purdue was so unable to run the ball. It I mean, it feels like without a quarterback running threat, Urban Meyer really is just lost on offense. This is a game where Dwayne Haskins ends up throwing the ball 73 times. Big yardage, but they get held to 20 points. Why can't they run the ball? Haven't they only been recruiting, like, some of the best offensive line prospects in the country? Yeah. And what is was... going on here? Why? And they, well, they still have J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, right? Yeah. What the hell? Why can't they run the ball? Purdue didn't come into this game with a particularly good defense, no matter what happened in Champaign. <laughs> yeah, it... it... Was utterly mystifying. And the other side of it is defensively, Ohio State can't stop the run. Now it's true they lost Nick Bosa, but he's not exactly reputed as a big time run stopper anyway. He's all about being that monstrous pass rush. And with the guys they've got, even with the turnover they've had lately, between Draymond Jones, Chase Young, all their linebackers have been five stars at one point or another, as far as I know. With like Browning and um, what the hell's your guy's name? Hillard? Hilliard? It's not like there's any shortage of talent in this front seven. So why they're so bad against the run is is really difficult to understand. Last week, we said on this podcast, and I quote, Ohio State's not going to lose three more games. Hmm. Well, who else do they really have on the schedule that's going to beat them besides Michigan? Pull up Ohio State's schedule. Only needs one more. Well, well, we just, I, I thought you meant so three more games. No, well, no, they've, they're seven and one. They've only yeah, lost the one. Three, three in total. I mean, only needs one besides Michigan. But really, look at their schedule. Who else is going to beat them? Well, who else do they have? Hold on. Well, while Andrew looks that up, I will note that... Nebraska, Michigan State, Maryland. I mean... You mean what? <laughs> what? What do you mean, Steve? What do you mean? Well... Tell me which of those... I mean, granted, two of those are on the road, uh, and then Michigan's at home. Would it surprise you that much more than Purdue beating them? Yes! <laughs> Purdue is so much better than all those teams right now. Who what, Who are you... Who of those three teams do you think Ohio State is going to lose to? Name. I could I could see Michigan State. Don't even don't doing even it. say it. No. Try again. So anyway, the other thing that I want to point out is that in 2010, Urban Meyer's Florida Gators went eight and five with a 500 record in the SEC. And I think, and this is not to suggest I have any sympathy for the man because he's an absolute slime ball, even in a profession full of just slimy, scummy people. But it might be possible that the guy can only coach for stretches of six years at a time. Yeah, and all he does is win a national title and be in the conversation for it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. what a and miserable then, stretch of bad luck. Oh no, but my, my, my point is like, yeah, he, he, he operates at an extremely high level and then can't sustain it. And then before having to deal with, uh, you know, the aftermath of, of getting all revved up and then having it fall off. Oh dear, my health. Better just bail out. 
Yeah, so I watch don't... for that tuck and roll if they lose again. Sure, but it's not like we've seen the on-field results with him deteriorate to the point they did at Florida just yet. Could that be coming? Oh, we can only hope. We can only giggly, you know, giddily hope. Although, if we're being honest, that probably just leaves a power vacuum for Michigan to move into. No thanks. Let's just leave Ohio State right where they are. So, anyway, I mean, if you're Purdue, like I mentioned earlier, is this not your proof of concept game? Is this not proof that Jeff Brom is the best young coaching commodity in the conference? Yeah. Who would I you mean, rather have besides Jeff Brom in this conference right now? If you could have a coach and know that he would stay at your school for the rest of his career, is there really anybody in the conference you want more than him right now? Absolutely not. And You I, could convince me on Harbaugh. That would be the only... Because he recruits at a better level, he's got more of a track record, and he obviously knows how to find good assistance, which is probably half of the, of the game a, in college. I would say more than half of the game in college. It's a very, very important thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but, I mean you can see just is... position coaches. Sometimes you see a dramatic change when you when you lose one that's experienced, and you you bring in someone. That, or pick the right one. Know. Look at how much better Michigan's offensive line is this year because they have Ed Warner actually teaching the offensive linemen how to be offensive linemen instead of whatever Tim Drevno was doing those several years he was alongside Harbaugh. So, but no, I mean, if only because oh of the relative. Oh my God! This could age. have been so beautiful. Have Jeff Brown versus Dino Babers in the Big Ten West for years to come. But alas, it wasn't ideal. So anyway, I picked the wrong bald black guy. <laughs> yes, we, we we picked the one with zero emotions as opposed to the ones with all the one with all the emotions. You picked it, don't you think? Like, I feel like we might have said something like this before, and if so, stop me because maybe we're in a time loop. But do you feel like Lovey Smith might be like the future version of Dino Babers, like the plot of the movie Looper? <laughs> if if I haven't about. seen that one, but like. Okay, well, spoiler alert, it came out like five years ago, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt has to fight his own future self, and it turns out it's just Bruce Willis, which, like, what if your future self was Bruce Willis? Yeah, I guess that, I guess that, well, I guess, no, I I would see it more as if your future self was Vin Diesel, because you kind of just deliver everything with the same inflection. Not that that's Lovey Smith's inflection, but he delivers everything with the exact same inflection. I think Vin Diesel's shorter than me, though, so that'd be, like... Did I, did I get, like, really bad osteoporosis at some point or something? <laughs> well, one of the things that needs to be talked about, and I've, I've, been, I've been talking about this today on Twitter, is that uh, in a conference with Lovey Smith and Kirk Ferentz, it's incredible to me that Paul Christ is the god emperor of coach <laughs> yes. speech. Of oh, yeah, saying yeah, yeah. nothing. Unrivaled. I never thought... Unrivaled. I did not think that it would be possible for someone to be better at saying nothing during a press conference, but... Yeah, if y'all are unaware of it, the Twitter, the, the, the Twitter at feed, Chris yeah, memes. at Chris Memes, I scrolled through it for like half an hour when I first found it, and I was just like, this can't be real, but I looked I looked a few of them up, and yep, it just, it's just straight truth, just ag- exact reality. Anyway, let's move west of Wisconsin, and uh, go to Nebraska versus the boat. Nebraska a boat, lot, boat, boat the sprung, boat not as much. Boat sprung a leak. Um, Cathartic game for Nebraska, racking up. Nearly 400 rushing yards, three Huskers over 100 yards, just as Scott and Tom Osborne intended. A big step back for would-be Buckeye Slayers, Minnesota, because, boy, they uh, had to be feeling decent about their progress there, and then suddenly the defense just gets gashed. Uh, They have to pull Zach Anikstead as a starter. Well, due to an injury, I mean. And the thing is, like, they make it sound like if he hadn't been injured, he would have kept playing, but then Tanner Morgan came in and was better. Like yeah. was, substantially, was substantially was better. substantially better than we've seen. I mean, have we seen better from Onyx Stud yet this year? No, not, not really. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been 
He's been he's been okay for not a, a huge liability player. against teams much worse than them. Yes, like that's like not well, and you know for a true freshman quarterback, maybe that's what you're looking for. But when you see this, the other thing though is that the running game for Minnesota just went nowhere. Which against Nebraska was puzzling because yeah, because we've been talking about just what a dumpster fire Nebraska's run defense started off the year as, uh, and Ibrahim. Uh, for Minnesota, gained over 150 on the ground against the Buckeyes, was limited to 49 by the Huskers. And so the, we're at the point in the season now where, based on the other data points we've collected, we can extrapolate a little bit and see what these things mean. I think, I'm, I'm, I don't want to interpret this, I don't think I can interpret this as being an indication of strength for Nebraska. I think this is another reflection of a problem for Ohio State. If you get run on by a team that cannot then the following week run on Nebraska, you got a real problem. And granted, Ohio State's still 7-1, still a top 10 team in the country. Still has more talent than anybody but Alabama. But yeah, what I was trying to get you to say earlier, Michigan State's not the team that's going to take advantage of Ohio State that's left on their schedule. The other three that they play, though, they can all run the ball. They will all run the ball enthusiastically. Nebraska, Maryland, Michigan. That's what those three teams do is run the ball and run the ball well. That is true. Uh, if Adrian Martinez makes it through that game, especially now that, I mean, there is something to be said for, it's like in basketball when it seems like the, the lid comes off the bucket and you finally can make a shot. Yeah. Nebraska now, it's like they finally can execute things well enough to win. That's got to instill some confidence to a team with a young core, first-year head coach. They got to finally, you know, I like to deal more in statistics and numbers more than emotions, but you got to say something for the fact that they got to feel confident now that they can actually, you know, what they're building towards can actually happen. Yeah, it's they've been close before. You know, like I said, we all, I've mentioned this proof of concept thing for Jeff Brom. I don't think they're going to get that win this year based on what they've got left. 25 for 29 for Martinez. I mean, it, it could, could he be the best quarterback in the conference? No. Like, <laughs> now? No. <laughs> no. He's not. Could he's, he become the best quarterback in the conference? Sure, because what else is... What are the, who are the other freshman quarterbacks in the conference, Steve? We've got... Isaiah Williams next year. Okay. God damn it. I need to cut that out before he tears his ACL in his senior year of high school. Or just decides to go to Ohio State instead, man. Like and you're, play you're, Yeah, you're over... You're, yeah, you're being the lead <laughs> here. I mean, how many receivers has Ohio State put in the league recently? How many quarterbacks has Illinois... How many offensive players... Don't you talk shit recently? about Kurt Kittner. <laughs> <laughs> recently is the word here though within relatively the lives, speaking within the lives of the players on the roster relatively though. speaking um okay so yeah minnesota now is really come back to earth i did not think they were going to be particularly good this year and they're now 0-4 in big 10 play um they're almost certainly going to get a conference win but it's not going to be wisconsin nope yeah it, you know it's I mean, obviously, it, it, it wasn't Iowa. They played, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa, Iowa put up 48 on them. Yeah, Iowa rolled them. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, you know, but now Minnesota is in a position, you know, they go from, oh, man, you know, is this the year that P.J. Fleck takes everyone by storm? No. Nope, you know, no. Nope, to nope. suddenly, they're Illinois' best shot at a win. <laughs> like, to this some, is not well, where yeah. you want to be. And, and to suddenly, not only is Fleck not the... Most promising young coach, new coach. Which I never thought he was. I kind of He's always He's not even the second because we mentioned earlier who would you take over Brom. It certainly wouldn't be PJ. 
I would take Frost over PJ. Who, you know, who of that cohort of newer coaches would you take over over Fleck? I mean, do you want to count DJ Durkin in there? I don't think he's in his own separate box for right now. Uh, <laughs> he's in the penalty box. Yeah. So his only conference wins as the Minnesota head coach have comes against have come against teams that are at rock bottom. Illinois twenty seventeen and Nebraska twenty seventeen, who fired the shit out of their coach immediately, right? Yeah. That was, yeah. So, uh, so far, he really hasn't done anything. Yeah, all he's done really is... There's plenty of time. ...is clear out the roster that was there when he got there. Yeah, that wasn't uh, a dead program bring when he it took a whole bunch, Bring it a whole... Well, it, it wasn't it dead, was but... It was not 2016 Illinois. It was not... There was something there that he could have maybe done. Yes, it was kind of a bad culture when you consider all of the... Criminal activities. Well, sure, sure, sure. But we, we knew we knew that this was what but he was going to yeah, do. That's, though. That's, that's what they brought him in to do. Western Michigan, relative to MAC teams, wasn't totally garbage when he took over there either. But he still tore. Well, it did stuff. have an awful lot of Bill Cubitt. <laughs> well, sure, but in the MAC, that was fine. That was the problem Illinois had was they thought his style of finding some no star quarterback and making him sort of decent would be enough, and it wasn't. So anyway. No I, more hopping in the Wayback Machine with Illinois, man. Every get every review we've gotten into this this week, you find some way. You have this singular talent, but I bet even you can't find a way to tie Illinois into Iowa twenty three, Maryland zero. Oh yeah, I can because you are you are incorrigible. All right. Let's well, because it. as a result of Maryland getting shut out here, it's gonna really suck when they put up forty nine on us. But anyway, Iowa. Uh, had I mean the art of Ference has been achieved so masterfully that if Kirk Ference had just rode off into the sunset after this game, I don't think anyone could blame him. How could he get a more Ference game than this? The only way it could be Ferencer is if instead of tossing a touchdown, Stanley had found some way to hand it off. And this was the game we mentioned earlier, by the way, where both teams failed to pass for more than a hundred yards. And Iowa won by 23 points, passing for less than 100 yards. But this was just the most perfect possible Kirk Ferentz game. It was over in under three hours. And because of that, it was utterly unwatchable, but at least it was over quickly. That's what she said. hey <laughs> Yep, roughly half the points scored by the kicker. I mean, 41 minutes time of possession. Iowa's defense is quietly phenomenal. Yeah, although again, when you've got an opponent that routinely completes less than 10 passes in a game, as with Maryland, it makes things a little easier. Oh, Canada, you got completely wrecked. Nobody gives your passing dream respect. When the defense can maintain the edge, you have no running lanes. And with gap integrity so strong, there's no chance for big gains. What can you do? You got destroyed. Oh, Canada, there's always Illinois. Oh, Canada, at least you're not Play hockey. All right. So, uh, shitheads 21, assholes 7. What an incredibly obnoxious display of dick-swinging behaviors on both sides of this game. 
Yeah. Oh boy. I saw like some mild surprise that Harbaugh's being such an ass about this. Why? Why are you surprised? The guy has been a petulant toddler his entire professional life. So that should not be a surprise. What's your deal? Indeed. You get into a fight with, with surfer head coach Pete Carroll. Like it, oh, <laughs> so I guess anyway. he was just mad that I shook his hand too hard. Seriously, man. He, he beefed with uh, Lions head coach Jim Shorts. Well, Jim, Schwartz, Jim Schwartz. <laughs> Schwartz, to my recollection, was kind of a was kind of a red ass as well. So that's not as surprising. But I don't know. Substantively on the field, did I have any realistic belief that MSU was going to move the ball against this defense, given what they have, what this offense has shown recently? No. Did I expect it to be this bad? No. Uh, five for twenty-five. Like I said, most weeks that would be that would be the worst quarterbacking performance by a mile. Here, I'm not even I'm not even sure it gets on the medal stand. Um, that being said, you could, there are excuses you could make if you're a Michigan State fan. Don't do that, because you know what you sound like? You sound like a Michigan fan who cries about it raining during the game last year. So don't do that. Yeah, we had a lot of players hurt. We still had a shit-ass game plan. Still couldn't do anything on special team. It, no. Yeah, it would be nice if we had a single receiver from the chop, from like the three deeps from the beginning of the season who could play, but we don't, and that's the hand we've been dealt. And the, coach, and the coaches have done nothing to make that better, by the way. They have done absolutely nothing to account for what this team actually is instead of what they want it to be. What in the holy hell has happened to Brian Lewerke? Supposedly he was hurt. He didn't practice at all this week, supposedly I, because I'm not of... i talking about just this game. Well, again, it helps if you have your receivers. The offensive line has been shit in front of him. And yeah, he hasn't... I mean, even typical year-to-year progression... He should have at least been a little bit better than last year, but he's noticeably worse. He's, yeah, he's much worse. I mean, we, this we, offense we came into this year talking about, is Brian Lewerke going to end up being the best Michigan State quarterback of all time? No, and no it wasn't, I don't think he is. That was not an unreasonable thing to ask at the beginning of the year. Not either. at all. This could have been a truly great season for him. Now, again, losing the caliber of receivers that he has is going to hurt. Sure it will. But no, his, his decision-making is noticeably worse. It does not help that his offensive line I think has played I'm not sure if this is the same offensive line combination they had this week if so that would have been the first two weeks they played the same group that doesn't help and then the play calling has also been asked but he consistently has not been the same guy he's off on throws he has no willingness to run the ball at all anymore they call like two or three design runs for him a game but he doesn't scramble anymore that was a big and important part of his game and the, the if I if you could have one question answered about your program with like no coach speak no bullshit just tell me the truth the one I would want answered about this year is does he not scramble anymore because he doesn't want to or because the coach has told him to stop if it's because he doesn't want to then he's making a dumb choice probably because he thinks it'll make him a better pro prospect or something if the coach has told him to stop scrambling they all need to be fucking fired because that's malfeasance you took the kid's biggest strength and you're not letting him do it anymore if that's really what's happening you wouldn't think that a coaching staff would be capable of something so dumb, but this it's MSU coaching staff, this MSU coaching staff, especially on offense, man oh man, they have done some dumb stuff recently. It's a cliche, but you don't have a quarterback that's a threat to run the ball. You're playing ten on eleven. In in the modern college game, yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be running a triple option where the quarterback's making a run read on every play. But but if the defense doesn't have to constantly respect the fact that if left unguarded, that quarterback can take off and get some yards, then you're playing ten on eleven. 
if you're playing a man down. Well, the thing is, if, if every other part of your offense actually works like it does with Iowa, for example, because Nate Stanley is a friggin' statue. That offense still works because their line can run block, their line can pass block, they have tight ends who are both running and blocking threats. They have running backs who can catch the ball and run the ball. Their wide receivers are kind of non-existent, but they've got enough going on that one reduced element like that doesn't hurt them. Michigan State doesn't have all those things going on because they can't run block. Their backs are, for the most part, not receiving threats. Their wide receivers are all hurt, and their tight ends are non-existent. So if you don't have a running threat that's, especially when you know the guy can do it, you're voluntarily giving up a very big part of your offense. So, so that, yeah, I mean, all that being said, we'll look at Michigan the... Michigan State now has three losses. Um, I mean, and that is with one golden horseshoe up the ass victory against Penn State. Um, so that could very easily be four losses, one of which is, of course, to Firm Herm Edwards, uh, one of which is to Northwestern, which is a random number generator now. So this is going to be... I mean, you're going to lose at least four in total. For, for, for this year. Yeah, and it seems they're, to me that D'Antonio beating... is just not ever going to get back to 2013 through 2015. That no. that was the peak. And it's probably not going to get back there. Nope, probably not. Probably so, not. I don't know if there's anything else to be said about it. I mean, the premier, I guess what I would describe as the premier sports talk radio around here, the Valenti program. Oh, shit! Opine, I didn't listen to it! Pine. well, yeah, you didn't miss much. But it basically, he... Was he just sad? No, he was angry. Oh, um, yeah, he's so much better when he's angry. Yeah, and the opinion that he rendered, which I think is probably off base, is the only possible hope that would come from this game is D'Antonio sees that what he's doing is not going to work, that Harbaugh has focused on this rivalry in such a way that this isn't going to be easy pickings anymore, what he's doing isn't cutting the mustard, he's going to have to change, he's going to have to fire his assistants that he's been with forever. That was the hope that Mike Maloney expressed that maybe some positive comes out of this. Well, that you know, sure is an optimistic mindset, but I think the odds of that happening are less than zero. Well, at the very least, you know, D'Antonio is only being foolishly loyal to his assistants through them being bad, as opposed to them being bad and doing other really bad things. So I guess sure. you got to take that as... Uh, sure, I guess it should be said that he fired Curtis Blackwell after his involvement with that whole deal with Corley and King and Vance. So... Eesh. That's what it takes to get fired at Michigan State, I guess. Well, anyway, really, I mean, this whole week was kind of outside of the Purdue game. This kind of went as expected. Yeah, um, that's a pretty... And I guess Nebraska, Minnesota, not quite expected, but I I don't know. Nebraska was favored. I, that was... Well, that's a, I mean, that's a fine segue into Dick Trips in review, though, where Ohio State is number one with a bullet lapping, oh, yeah, lapping even, the field. There is not even a close second. I mean... Bama only won by 37 points, which I think is only their second biggest margin of victory this year. So you got to wonder if Saban's lost his touch. Fire, Nick. You know, between that, I mean, remember I, I wrote that article earlier for the Champagne Room about how, like, he's having to, like, you know, flip prospects from Illinois. Like, he's uh, reaching to the bottom of the barrel here. Like, I don't know. I think, I don't even know if you want this guy coaching Bama in the playoffs because, I mean, God forbid you have to settle for, uh, you know, for 14-1 and one here. This is just... I just don't know how much longer he can keep this up before you know the pressure just gets too much. Wazoo hosted College Game Day and yeah. Oregon. <laughs> Did you you see? can build a football program in the middle of nowhere if you hire a good coach. Did you see uh, the Game Day crowd? There had to be what thirty or forty old crimson flags. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, how many how many weeks in a row do you think we're gonna have to watch a half hour segment about that now? 
Do you, th- or do you think they'll stop now that they've gone there? And we never have to hear about the stupid flag again. It's a cool thing, okay? I don't need to hear about it every week. Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta see what. Um, I mean, I don't know. How else is Washington State ever gonna? Well, I guess if Washington State becomes a decent program, then you know their stories start to matter, right? Every program has stories about how their players have worked really hard to overcome a lot. It's just that ESPN doesn't really care about them if you don't win games, unless of course you were really, really good and have had the worst luck in a college football player's career like Mike Dudek. But, yeah, I mean, there's players on Indiana, there's players on Rutgers, there's players on Oregon State and Kansas that have been through sacrifices that we just can't even imagine and endured unimaginable hardships to be where they are. And, unfortunately, we're never going to know about them. We're never <laughs> going to know about them because uh, they don't win enough, you know, whereas... Whereas it's definitely worth another 60 minutes interview with Tua Tagovailoa explaining just how difficult it is to not play in the fourth quarter. Anyway. It's real hardship. Uh, undefeated number 20 Cincy drops one to Temple. The Owls are a fickle mis- mistress. And at this point, I think everybody's got a transitive loss to Villanova because 5-3 and three Temple has, of course, that win over Maryland, who has that win over top 10 Texas. Who has the win over Oklahoma. So that, <laughs> Oklahoma like, and, that US, un- and USC. That unlocks a lot of transitive losses, yes. <laughs> That's the circle. The Look, circle of trash. Yeah, you know, looking elsewhere... Um, Temple, I guess, is not really that bad. I guess not. Not that it particularly I, like, matters, but no, at, the it time, doesn't at, all. at the time that Maryland lost to them, it was seen as... Holy shit! What an abominable loss! But now they got five wins. Yeah. So if you're Maryland, I guess you know there's a little more shine on that. Uh, the lane train is off the rails in Boca Raton. They are now three and four with a thirty-one to seven loss to Marshall. Yeah, and I I thought Singletary was going to be a solid play this week. I'm not sure if I'm going. I didn't roll with him last week. I'm I'm saying I don't know if I should going forward because I wonder what like happened there because obviously you know Lane Kiffin you know knew that. He didn't have a team that would compete with Oklahoma, and he said as much. But, like, they still wrecked the Sun Belt last year, and, uh, I don't know, yeesh. Yeah, hard to say. Um, well, the good news is maybe Lane will not be hired away this year, so maybe Joey Freshwater will be available, available. when Illinois comes a-calling in yeah. 2020. Uh, uh, oh, come on, I'd be uh, a fool to turn that down at this point. The guy is an interesting play caller, and you know what? I think he's given... I think he's reached the point of being self-aware. This would be fun. Champagne freshwater. All yeah. right. Oh, like I said, all I want is to have fun. Okay? And if you have a 6-6 six and six Lovey Smith versus a 6-6 six and six Lane Kiffin, with which one are you having more fun? <laughs> Lane train, baby. Woo! Woo! Uh, Western Kentucky. When they, lost a- when, when they actually hire him, I'm going to... Refer you back to this moment because you're gonna be furious. You joke <laughs> I'm gonna about, laugh my ass. You off. joke about it right now. When that actually happens, I'm bringing you back to this moment. Oh, please do. I'm gonna remind you. All right. See what we're saying. Please do. Western so Kentucky Western Kentucky sure. found a really really hilarious way to lose a game. Old Dominion has two wins now, and one of them is an enormous upset of Virginia Tech that still doesn't make sense, and the other one is like the most bizarre finish to a game that I've seen this year um, where there were three consecutive untimed downs. <laughs> <laughs> penalty after penalty. and Yeah, just 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 look at that one. That, uh, and Hawaii. Oh, no, baby. What is it doing? They're uh, 
five, six, and three now. After the rain, the reign of Rasta Lord Cole McDonald has come to an end. I'm afraid. Well, still have six wins. There's still gonna be a bowl game. So let's look forward. Yeah, Ohio's, <laughs> Ohio State gets to take a week off to think about losing to Purdue by thirty. I'm sure that'll be good for their next opponent. Um, and Butt gets to think about how they let one slip away. God damn! I mean, Chris Ash had to know. Right here, right up five. This is probably your whole Big Ten coaching career right here. And, then, and you know what? There it goes. Schematically, they did make the adjustments. I mean, they, they they knew that man coverage could beat the receivers, but fundamentally, Northwestern finally started running the ball, and they couldn't do anything about it. I mean, I don't know. You, you, you got to feel for the guy just in that situation because... He made the right calls on defense, but they just didn't have the talent in the front seven to make it work. So that so that you, get to, is, you get to think about that for another week. Yeah, um, also, and also, you got to see. I mean, at this point, it's a foregone conclusion, right? What they're firing him? Yeah, I guess I don't know who you hire to replace him. I don't know if they have the money to pay him. <laughs> so I guess um, also on the buy, Michigan, who gets this extra week to. Continue talking a lot of shit to Michigan State, but we're the ones who were obsessed, you see. So anyway, we would have also had Nebraska on the bye, but because of the cancellation earlier in the season, this is the week where they slot in that matchup with Bethune-Cookman. Going for that win streak. Well, Purdue lost to BC. We'll see if Nebraska can pick up that BC. This is basically the same thing. So FCS game should be over before it starts. Come on, Nebraska. Don't, Don't cause us to... To question everything that we've said positive about you. Like, just win this game, win it easily. Um, but then there's some interesting ones coming up here. Really intriguing matchup that I don't think is going to get any national attention, but Indiana is going to the dry dock that is TCF Bank Stadium. This is, I think, a must-win for Indiana if they want to make it to a bowl and assert their status as a program that is just below getting over the hump, as they always are. Boy, that was simultaneously the most hopeful and depressing. <laughs> yes, yes. This is okay. A, this if you is know any certainly... Indiana fans, you'll know how appropriate that is. Oh yeah, yeah. This is. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying. Uh, so this is definitely a game Indiana needs to have if you want any any chance of sort of turning the momentum on this season around. You've already lost all your big opportunity games. I mean, I think they still have Michigan on the schedule. Yes, that's not going to happen. So if you want wins, you got to get them in games like this. It is on the road, but it's not like Minnesota's been a world beater at home, so yeah, win this game. Now, if you're Minnesota, conversely, it kind of feels, based on some of the decisions they've made, that maybe they're not so much caring about the win-loss record on that coaching staff. I mean, obviously, you want to win every game, but... Well, you've got a lot of redshirt freshmen. Yeah, they've got a lot of bigger goals in mind. you got an uncertain quarterback situation, which is not what you had in mind. I mean, you brought in a junior college guy that didn't end up, what, he didn't end up qualifying, or what? I don't recall exactly how the Ballad of Velvet Vic ended. Uh, but, yeah, if you're Minnesota, you want to win this game. If you don't, you probably shrug. You've shrugged off a number of other losses this year. In Indiana, I mean, what's the future? Okay, Tom Allen, you don't... It's hard to imagine Indiana getting that long-coveted AP Top 25 ranking, the first since 1993. Well, all right. So we with can, Tom Allen as a head coach? Yeah, we can put... So you, you put that in an interesting way, and it kind of makes you think about this. Like, if you have... If you want to think about what your head coach is capable of, just ask yourself, what scenario can you really see your coach leading your team to? Do you see Indiana going to college football playoff with Tom Allen as head coach? Yes well, or, hell no. Yes or no? Okay. Hell no. Do you see them playing in Indianapolis... 
for the Big Ten Championship no. with Tom Allen? No. Do you see them even in contention for the East Division title in the last two or three weeks of the yeah, season? not in November. No. Do you see them winning eight games with Tom Allen, regardless of who that's against? If they have just the most fortunate schedule possible, you're talking so crossovers they- with... Talking crossovers, Illinois, a struggling Minnesota. Um, oh, what have you, yeah. And then maybe, like, Michigan State has their once-a-decade cicada shit year where they just can't do anything and you beat them, too, and you sweep your non-conference and you beat Maryland and Rutgers. That's what you have to do to get to eight wins. But do you see them ever having a time when national media is talking about them, when there's buzz around the program? Does game day ever actually come to blue? No. However, Not what Tom Allen said. you can hold on until you've got the coach of your dreams, but you better not miss. Yeah. So anyway, because as I said earlier, as in Indiana, you always got to worry about, yeah, but if we miss right back. You'll be right back to Bill fucking Lynch. So, um. It's almost basketball season. Don't worry about it. Romeo Langford. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that certainly happened. Wisconsin at Northwestern. What the fuck even is Northwestern anymore this year? Games at Ryan Field. Would it really surprise you if Northwestern won? No. Uh, it should, though, because that would mean they're now in dominant position to go to the Big Ten title game. Yeah. And I kind of want to see it just for a little variety. Just, I don't even care who wins at this point. If it's not going to be Wisconsin, yeah, sure, yeah, give it to Northwestern. Give it to Purdue. I don't give a shit. Just give it, like, let me see a new team go. That's all I want to see. And they'll probably get, you know whitewashed by Michigan most likely so that'll just be hideous to watch play that stupid fucking fight song of theirs 40 times in the first half um well against the champions of the west which Michigan will by definition never be yeah that's a funny thing isn't it anyway uh choo choo at pride cometh before the fall is how this is in our notes I don't know who even so Purdue and who are we talking about Michigan State I don't know, just referencing something from that really stupid, very overly dramatic Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. Like, it has just been hyped up to video game levels here, and like, I'm sorry, anime levels here. And like, there's now some things that, in light of how it all unfolded before the game, just start to look really dumb. Like... Yeah, that video of Devin Bush, like... Yeah, just taking his cleats and tearing up the Spartan logo at midfield. Like, what are you doing? I... I I just can't. But I just again, can't say enough how hey, stupid hey, that is. Like I said, we're the little brother. We're the ones who are obsessed. Not Michigan. Certainly not. Why are you so mad, bro? Why are you so mad, bro? Bro, you mad, bro? Bro, you mad, bro? Why are you so mad, bro? Anyway, so no. It, the first line I saw in this game was Michigan State minus two, and I was like, that's fucking insane. That's free money. Are you guys? What? The team that just lost, that just beat Ohio State by thirty is going to be an underdog, albeit on the road and not by much, to a team that did not crack 100 yards of total offense. And I, I could, <laughs> you know what, I could plausibly, like, I don't know. I actually think Michigan State's going to win this one only because, like, I think you saw, like, a 95 percentile performance from Purdue, and... Do they get that, do they match that intensity twice in a row? Probably Especially not. going on the road. I don't think they need to play that well to beat Michigan State, though, because... Here's the thing. So Michigan State's defense has certainly been the strength of the team this year. The problem is that defense susceptible to the big play. Uh, what is Purdue good at? You mean like the Rondale Moore <laughs> variety of big play? The Rondale Moore, the Isaac Zico, the Jared Sparks, the whoever. They've got guys that can make big plays at any moment. It's those big plays that basically set up Michigan State for its last two losses. The Peoples-Jones 80-yard touchdown 
and then the 80-something yard touchdown that I think it was McGowan, whoever the guy was from Northwestern, that basically ended up cracking open what was otherwise a, you know, rock fight and ended up being plays that Michigan State could not overcome. They give up those plays to guys who, frankly, I don't think play in as dynamic of offenses as what Purdue is bringing to the table. I'm still rolling with Rondale Moore this week in JMC. If you're not, I think you're missing out on a big opportunity. Yeah, so, um, I don't know what you think. You think this has the potential to be a shootout? I mean, again, Purdue, no! particularly Purdue. Shootout with what? With what players is Michigan State going to get in a shootout? They don't have any receivers left. That is a good point. Daryl Stewart played last week, but he's clearly still hurt. Fountain Davis is now dead. Cody White's not coming back. And Cam you know Tabers that Mark D'Antonio, if he knew you personally, would grumble at you. You see? You see now why I didn't use Felton Davis? I honestly think D'Antonio would rather lose a game by 10 than get in a shootout and win by 3. You've made your points. You're scaring the shit out of the dog. (laughs) Come on, man. He's a clean-shaven Yosemite Sam. Well, you know, the, 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 the muted version. Like, when he's walking away, not when he... Comes in yelling. When he comes in yelling, then he's more, uh, more Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't yell though. He's, he's just. No, I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about when Yosemite Sam comes in yelling. Yeah. He's more Jim Harbaugh. But would it really surprise you if Jim Harbaugh just had a couple of six shooters at, at his waist, like for the Ohio State game, <laughs> and just started yelling and firing him off into the air when the ref made a call he didn't like? No, it wouldn't surprise you at all because that's that's what your coach is, Michigan, a child. So Iowa at Penn State. This I think can safely be called our game of the week. Easily the game of the week. Um, Two ranked teams, seventeen at eighteen, actually. So logic would suggest it's gonna be pretty close. It is at Happy Valley. Hey, I am headed to a wedding right in the middle of Penn State country during this game. Do you own a black and yellow suit? Whew, well, you if you get accosted, you could always just tell them that your Stiller's pride is just overflowing. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why I'll go ahead and tell my. Uh, my Steelers fan fiance, oh man, no, I do have black. I always go out and get some yellow. So yeah, should be by far the game of the week, like we said. Um, Penn State kind of needs to right the ship here if they want to make anything out of this season. Yeah, um, you know what? Gotta feel like if Penn State loses this one, especially if they don't put up very many points, people are going to start to question, hey, did James Franklin just catch lightning in a bottle with uh, Joe Moorhead those couple of years? Yeah, that I mean that whole is he thing, maybe just kind of a good recruiter, a good recruiter who maybe isn't able to consistently find the great coordinators you need to be if that's the model of your program. And also needs a fourth quarter decision making wrangler. Yeah, although he he'd be far from the only head coach to struggle with that. I mean, half the NFL can't make the correct. Yeah, Andy Reid <laughs> still know. does coach football, <laughs> and he's considered one of the best coaches in the league. No, well, yeah, yeah. As long as you're not in the last part of the season or the last part of a game. Or the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. No, it's fair to say that Penn State really needs a win to get back on track here because, unless I remember incorrectly, they play Michigan next week. Ooh. Uh, if you go Ooh. into that game... You know, this is actually a pretty decent warm-up because I think Iowa is the second-best defense in the conference, statistically second only to Michigan, and they're the only defense that's comparable to Michigan's. Yeah, and stylistically, their offense is not dissimilar either. True. So you kind of get a preview for Michigan in a lot of sense. I mean, really, the biggest difference is Michigan is substantially more athletic in the defensive back seven, and their defensive scheme is a lot more aggressive. But from a personnel standpoint, they both have excellent lines. That being said, it's possible that Iowa, by virtue, by virtue of being just like a 
a gap integrity defense may present bigger matchup problem because McSorley is not gonna find those running lanes as easily as he's used to. That's true, and I guess you know, I guess we'll see. But yeah, I actually have Iowa winning this one on the road. I think I called that as well. Yeah, um, I think the line. What was the line on this? Something like four and a half for Penn State, if I'm not mistaken. Which, uh, yeah, Penn State minus four and a half. I don't know if I see that. Yeah, I would go Penn State two and a half because I would say this would be a push on a neutral site. Yeah, speaking of push, though, you tried to push us right on past the sixth game of the week. I won't say, I mean, you don't want to talk about Illinois going to Maryland? You don't want want to? For God's sake. I mean, here's the problem. Um, One... If A.J. Bush starts the game, then Champagne Room is going to start writing the recap right then and there. And it'll be over in the first quarter. I mean, we'll put the, sh- the recap out in the first quarter. Um, second is that Maryland's offense comes into this with the number 100 rank in S&P+. Plus, but the problem is that Matt Canada absolutely destroys uh, base cover two type defenses that sit back and lets you have everything underneath. And that is all we do. That's all we ever do. And we do it very, very badly. That's the thing. You can say the scheme sucks. Can you really say the scheme sucks? The players are so bad at running it that you can't even tell if it could have been good. Uh, but it probably couldn't have been. All right. Let's be honest. So looking elsewhere around the country, you see any interesting potential Dick Tripp matchups out there? Well, Washington at Cal... Uh, Cal has a shockingly effective defense. I think one of the top 25 in the country. Yeah, the bloom is kind of off Washington's rose here, though. I mean, they've gotten roughed up by a couple of other Pac-12 teams. Well, no, that still would the, be one, a... the one Pac-12 loss, and then the season-opening loss to Auburn, which has maybe been the worst. Yeah, that I mean, has not aged well. I mean, shit. Michigan, Auburn, uh, Gus Malzahn's on the hot seat. Yeah, Michigan State's loss to Arizona State looks better than that does now. I mean... Uh, I don't know about that. Where was that game played? Was that a neutral site or was that at Auburn? I think that was a neutral site. That, that feels was, like one of those. Well, when I say neutral site, site I mean if it's a neutral site, then it's probably a lot farther away from Washington, right? It was a. I think it was yeah. a Jerry World. Well, I think you're right. Yeah, it's like let's have a neutral site game between one team that's 300 miles away and one team that's 1500 miles away, and that'll totally be neutral. Yeah, I hate those. Some interest. Sites. Another interesting game is. South Florida at Houston, Charlie Strong has been begging for a loss all season. He damn near pulled one off against a far inferior Illinois team. He beat UConn, the worst team in college football, by eight points. I mean, don't remind me. This is Charlie Strong. This is just like, I mean, he's just been begging for a loss all season. And Houston still has an Oliver. They're undefeated. South Florida's still undefeated? Yep. Man. That's what I'm saying. That might come to an end. It's not for a lack of effort on Charlie Strong's part to have his team lose. Houston hasn't exactly taken the step I figured they would have with a guy like Ed Oliver on the roster. But, I mean, you still have Derek King, who... Houston has quietly been a factory of very exciting quarterbacks. We had Greg Ward a few years ago. Very dynamic playmaker. Of course, you go back further, you got Case Keenan, who... Well, sure. Through 155 touchdowns. That's also kind of been their program ethos with the head coaches they choose. They choose guys who are well-guarded offensive minds. Major Applewhite's doing that. <laughs> what a ridiculous name. Major, 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 major Applewhite. So, the other big game that we cannot possibly avoid talking about is... World's largest outdoor cocktail party. The world's first top ten outdoor cocktail party in a long time. Florida, Georgia, y'all. Played in Jacksonville right on the Florida, Georgia line. The shittiest pop country band of all time. Um, Are you telling me that this game 
ain't a song that make you want to roll your windows down and cruise. We're done. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire.